friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, please pray with me. Father in heaven, we give you thanks, we give you praise. Thank you for this morning and for all the blessings that we are noticing and even for all the ones that are here and we don't even notice them. Thank you for all of the good and beautiful and wonderful things you are doing in our lives individually and through us collectively as the church and through us collectively as the gathering and that you're doing right here in Bastrop. We love you. We praise you. Be with us uh, through the rest of our service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. So let's do a preview of some things to come first, okay? Because we got some things on the agenda coming down the pipeline, right? So like next Sunday is the vision meeting that we're having, the potluck after church, and we're going to pray together and dream together, and that's the right word, dream together about what God is is doing with us and through us. And uh, so I'm excited. Be sure to make a plan to be there. And next week I'll preach something that kind of, you know, pushes into that and encourages us to to uh, serve as Christ would have us to serve in Bastrop. Oh, what did I, I Oh, it's a meal of some sort. I don't know the details. I should have I should have thought more before I but I yeah, okay, I wondered why I had wide eyes like I think Oh, uh, I thought David said and David's not here this week, of course. I thought he said something like we're they're going to buy like a main dish, like a meat or something. And then they might have like some desserts that are sides, sides maybe. Oh, okay. I think that's what we're doing. Okay, cool. I'm new here. Why are you asking me? I don't know. I'm the new guy. We're eating after church next week. The food be there. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, vision thing next week. Okay. And then also make plans for Passover. I want to plug that right now because um, after I'm done preaching, I'm going to hop over to Celebration and Ron and I are going to announce it over there. And hopefully we'll come back and announce it here, but, you know, timing, so who knows. So just in case, April 15th, make plans. It's a Friday evening and we're going to celebrate Passover. Uh, Rosemary, I'll give you the link and they, that you can register online. And there's also some sign-up sheets out in the lobby this morning if you want to do that. 
So, uh, and we need some helpers, so be sure to sign up to help with all that. Uh, so more coming on that, but make plans to be there. Limited space. You want to be a part of this. The Passover points to Jesus. You want to be a part of it. Okay, all that. Um, so between um, finishing up preaching through Jonah and Nahum, how crazy, and then next week we're doing the vision stuff, I thought, what do you do with a week in between? Well, I'm going to go to my favorite gospel. I'm going to go to the gospel of Mark. So if you have a Bible, look with me in Mark chapter 6. And we're going to read this text together. Mark chapter 6. And we're just going to soak in the text. We're just going to take our time in the text of Mark this morning. Mark chapter 6. And it's so hilarious. Hillary and I did not coordinate this, I promise you. But he mentioned the feeding of the 5,000. And that's where we're starting this morning in Mark, with the feeding of the 5,000. So... Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus, and they told him all that they had done and taught. Pause. Yeah, we made far. Good progress. 6.30, the apostles gathered around Jesus, told him all that they had done and taught. Pause. The apostles just got back from being sent out by Jesus here. Okay, just a little bit earlier in chapter 6, they're sent out to go and cast out demons to preach the good news. And then now they're coming back. They're having a come to Jesus meeting, literally. And they're coming to Jesus. And they're, they're, it, it's really like a, um, it's like a pep rally whenever you get back home. And they're like, oh, it was crazy. We were, we were in this town and Matthew was casting out a demon and James was preaching. It was, it was a crazy Jesus. You had to, and, and they're like telling their stories to Jesus. That's what this is. They just got back. Okay. Telling them all that they had done and taught. Verse 31. He said to them, Great, that's not there, it's implied. Great, awesome. Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Okay, they're so busy they don't even have time to eat. You ever been so busy you don't even have time to slow down for a meal? It's stressful. You ever worked right through lunch? It's stressful, it's hard on your body. And uh, preachers, ministers, like, yeah, like somebody dies in the middle of the night. You got to be there. It's just how it is. Um, you don't have to. You should be there. But uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's how it is. Like there's always something going on and it's easy to let your time be eaten up. How much more for the apostles, right? Who are literally right there with Jesus. And so their time's getting eaten up. They have no time. So get what Jesus is saying here. Hey, come away and rest for, let's go on a little lake trip on Galilee. Let's just get away for the weekend and go on a little lake trip. How many of you would like to go on a weekend lake trip with Jesus? Everybody? That would be amazing, right? Go swim in the Sea of Galilee, hang out with Jesus. Oh, be wonderful. Have uh, some meal. Jesus could just be like, presto, bread. I mean, it'd be fantastic, right? Um, they had no leisure even to eat. Come away to the desert. Let's go out. Let's get out to the desert. Jesus likes to head out to the wilderness. Um, something about whenever your soul is weary about taking a retreat, isn't there? Oh, but if only it were that easy. Verse 32. And when they went away in the boat to the wilderness by themselves for their weekend retreat with Jesus, verse 33, now many saw them going and recognized them and hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. Let me set what just happened. Is that Jesus? I think that's Jesus. And that's Matthew. And that's Peter. Hey. I think they're heading over there. Galilee is a really small lake, by the way. 
if you stand on the shore of Galilee, you can see every other side of Galilee while you're standing there. It's not that big. So for them to go across to the other side, it's small enough that they can run on foot to the other side and beat them. Like you just caught that, right? And so they run ahead and beat them there before they even arrive on the boat. Okay, that's what just happened. Verse 34, as he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd, big crowd ahead of him. And he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This was supposed to be our weekend getaway with Jesus. And now he has compassion on them and he starts teaching them. Did you notice that? Has compassion on them. Usually whenever I think compassion, I think like, hey, let's go serve in the soup kitchen. Let's do the church under the bridge thing where we, you know, go and wash the feet of the homeless and, and feed them breakfast and, and let's run a, a clothes closet or something like that. Or let's go build a home with Habitat for Humanity. But Jesus says, oh, these poor people. All right, get your notebooks out and your pens. We're going to start class. And he starts teaching them. That's the way Jesus had compassion on the people by teaching them. Huh. It's not what I thought of whenever I thought of compassion. And he has compassion on them for one specific reason. Because he notices something, that they're like sheep without a shepherd. You've probably heard this before. Sheep are dumb. They're really dumb. you got to have somebody to watch them constantly to lead them. And if you don't, they'll probably kill themselves. Some way, somehow, they'll wander off into something they're not supposed to. Just like children. And that is just how sheep are. They need a shepherd. But also... Um, Shepherd is like the quintessential image of a leader in the Bible. Yes? Like, like, who's a shepherd in the Bible? David, Moses, Abraham, everybody, okay? Everybody that's like a key character in Scripture is a shepherd or shepherd-ish. Everybody is, because it's, it's like the quintessential image. The word pastor, it sounds fancy. Pastor. It just means shepherd. It's an image of a guy holding a sheep crook saying, follow me. And he's taking care of the sheep. That's the image, right? And Jesus has compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. Hmm. Is there a psalm that says something like that? I feel like there is. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making it up. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in. Yeah, hold on to that for a sec. He makes me to lie down in green pat. Yeah, hold on to that. He began to teach them because he's having compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. When it grew late, good grief. He's been at it all day. This was supposed to be their weekend away. Which, okay. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and they said, now you got to hear the tone here, okay? This is key. This is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. Do you hear the annoyance? I used to read that like the disciples from the beginning assumed they were supposed to feed them. Jesus hasn't told them to feed the people yet. That comes in a minute. At this point, they're like, oh. it's in the Greek. The, oh, you just, you, you just got to look closely, trust me. But <laughs> they are annoyed that Jesus is teaching these people when they're supposed to be having alone time with Jesus. And so they're like, all right, all right. You taught them. You had compassion. Send them off to the villages to buy something. They're probably hungry. It was our time. Let's have a meal. Let's at least sit down for dinner together, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And he answered them. Answered them. 
I didn't know that was a question. You know how some things, they don't sound like a question, but they are a question. You know what I'm saying? And some things are questions, but they're not questions. For example, when Hannah says, is it cold in here to you? That's not a question. If I wrote it on paper, it'd have a question mark. But I'm telling you, that's not a question. That means get up and turn the heat up, dummy. That's what that means. You with me? And there are some statements that are questions. Um, like, uh, did you notice that? That's really like, I noticed that, and you better notice it too. You with me? So here they are making a statement. Hey, send them away to the villages. And Jesus answers them. Maybe there's a question there. And the question is, what gives, Jesus? This is supposed to be our weekend together. And so he answers them. You give them something to eat. Great. It's going to go on longer now. And they said to him, Are we going to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? You hear the sarcasm? Oh. You may be able to talk to your mama that way, or maybe even some of your teachers, but they talk to Jesus like that? Ooh. But he's Jesus. He's kind. And he said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, well, we got five and two fish. Okay, let's do some math. I'm a preacher. I'm not a mathematician. Five loaves plus two fish equals? Is seven a significant number in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. How many days of creation? Seven. How many days in a week? Seven. It's the number of completeness. God finished when he did seven days. Maybe, just maybe, they're going to have everything they need for this meal. It doesn't seem like it, but man, they got a seven there. Man, they got everything they need. Five plus two. So then, verse 39, then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. Okay, pause. Okay, man, if you don't read closely, you're just going to gloss over some of these details. But one of the most significant questions you can ask when reading the Bible is, yeah, but why? Because otherwise you're going to read over that and be like, great, okay, they sat down. Okay. No, 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 He ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. Let's break that down. He ordered them. He, Jesus, ordered them, disciples, to have the people sit down on the grass. Oh. They thought they were going to be receiving a meal. Now they're going to be serving the meal. They are the waiters. You get, like, Jesus is saying, drape the towel over, hello, table for two, great, right this way, on the green grass. And they're sitting them down, the people, right? And then in a minute, minute, Jesus is going to divide the food, give it to the apostles to give to the people. They're the waiters in this thing. They are serving the people. Bless their hearts, they just wanted to rest. So they, they get the people, sit down in groups, groups. Why groups? You ever, like, did you think to ask that? Why groups? Like, why not just, hey, just have a seat. Enjoy. Why groups? Just because? Perhaps. It could be. I have an idea. In Greek, it's, and this really is in Greek, not just the other stuff I was making up. Symposia. Like a symposium. Like a banquet. It's the word for a banquet. Oh, when Jesus serves a meal and his disciples serves a meal, it doesn't matter if it's bread and water, fish. It matters 
that he's the one serving it, and it's a banquet, people. It is the most lavish, wonderful banquet you will ever sit down to because when Jesus is feeding you, you will never, ever leave the table hungry. You will leave satisfied in ways you didn't know were possible. It's a banquet in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Yeah, but why? Hundreds and why not thousands and thirties? Why not twenties uh, and tens? I don't know. Why hundreds and fifties? Hello, table for two? No, table for 50, right this way? <laughs> why? Hundreds and fifties. Hmm. You know, there was another shepherd in the Bible, Moses, who whenever he was leading the people of Israel, every single person in Israel came to him for their problems. Everybody. Like tens of thousands of people came to one man for their problems. Can you imagine the problem with that? He's exhausted. And he's griping to his father-in-law, Jethro. These people, oh, they have the pettiest disputes. I mean, from like murder trial, like that one, I can see why you would want to bring that to Moses. But then like, my brother was picking on me. You know, those kind of disputes. And it's like, okay, Moses needs to, you know, prioritize his time a little bit here. And so he's griping to his father-in-law Jethro. His father Jethro, father-in-law Jethro says, well, hey, why don't you just appoint some other people to help you? And then you can just like portion it out. And then you just deal with like the really important parts since you're like our leader. And Moses is like, that's great. I should do that. So he sets men, people in charge of hundreds and of fifties and of thousands. I don't know why they didn't say thousands here. But of hundreds and of fifties, different groups, different areas within the camp. The new Moses, the great shepherd, is bringing them in on the action. Jesus delegates. Why? Because he's incapable of doing it? No. Because he's so capable of doing it, he wants to do it through you. And he wants to delegate it to his people, to his apostles. Go on, go serve the people. Go on now, hundreds of fifties, you know, sit them down in groups and serve them. <sighs> it's getting good. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. The disciples are the ones setting it before the people. This isn't a buffet. No, we're fancier than that in the kingdom of God. Yep. This is full service dining right here. The disciples set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were filled. Yeah. They all ate and were filled. Oh, by the way, where are they sitting? Grass. What kind of grass? Green grass? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down and... Green. The shepherd greater than Moses is here. Everybody eats and satisfies when Jesus is feeding. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Okay, pause. I know we're pausing a lot. Whenever I taught school, I taught Bible in South Carolina before I moved here um, at a Christian high school. And I was teaching Mark because Mark's my favorite. I was teaching Mark and I got to this and I was trying to get the students to like see the number 12 and be like, oh, 12, that's a great Bible number. Like, 12 tribes and 12 apostles and there's 12 basketfuls. That's symbolic. Uh, that's what I was trying to get them to do. And they did eventually. But then one kid raised his hand and I said, yeah, what do you think? And he said, they're to-go boxes for the apostles. <laughs> I gave him a hug and said, that is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. I love that. 
Of course it is. It's the to-go boxes for the apostles. They've been, they were trying to have a weekend away to rest and eat. Jesus puts them to work. And if you've ever run a banquet or any sort of event, you know you are not the first one to eat. You are the last one to eat after everybody else is gone. So Jesus gives them a to-go box. Oh, a disciple doggy bag. That's what it is. And they go away with it. They carry their baskets. They go. And then notice this. Jesus, uh, all those who had eaten were 5,000 men, just men. That's why let's not be sexist. This is not the feeding of the 5,000. It's the feeding of the 5,000 plus. Okay. Basic math. If everybody had one wife, that'd be 10. If everybody had only one kid, that'd be 15. So it could be upwards of 15,000. Okay. 5,000 plus. Don't be sexist. It's only 5,000 men. Okay. But verse 45, immediately... He made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. Translation, you take your to-go boxes. You go, you've had a long day. I'm sorry. I know I was supposed to you know, hang out with you. You get in the boat. You go ahead to the other side. Eat your to-go boxes. Rest, relax. I'll get rid of the crowd and I'll, I'll finish up. I'll put up the chairs. I'll wipe down the tables. I'll sweep and lock the doors and turn off the lights. You with me? So go on. Go on. That's what just happened. Okay. It gets better, though. You can't read the feeding of the 5,000 without reading this next story, too. And you'll see why in a minute. But if for anything else, it's because immediately Jesus dismisses them and says, go on ahead, I'll dismiss the crowds. And then it just keeps going. So watch this. Verse 46, after saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Did you just see that? Did you see that? The mountain. Which mountain? We're asking Mark, which mountain? And he's like, you know, the mountain. He's winking. You just, you gotta pay, Mark's winking. The mountain. How many mountains are in Galilee? A ton. Why doesn't he give us a name? Which mountain? Mark says, you know, the mountain. Now, imagine with me, is there maybe one particular mountain in scripture that just looms so large that it's like the quintessential mountain where you go to meet God? Sinai. Also, who went up that mountain to get the Ten Commandments? Moses, the great shepherd. Hmm. And now Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. That is brilliant. God inspired Mark to write that really well. You know, the mountain. So Jesus goes up the mountain to pray. Verse 47, when evening came, the boat with the disciples was on the sea and he, Jesus, was alone on the land. Jesus on the land praying, the mountain, disciples on the boat. And then when he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, bless their hearts, they cannot catch a break. Oh my, what, they just want to chill and relax and enjoy their disciple doggy bag and eat their bread and their fish and relax. And now Jesus has made them serve everybody. And then now he says, you know, go ahead to the other side. Now they can't even get the, the boat to go where they want. And remember, Galilee's not a huge lake. How long have they been straining at the oars till Jesus notices? Ah, <sighs> bless them. And so what does Jesus do? That's what Jesus does. He came towards them early in the morning. They have been at this a while. Evening to early morning. Bless them. Walking on the sea. Hmm. We always just talk about this like Jesus was walking. There's an adverse wind. 
Okay. So the waves are doing what? They're they're huge. Like they're 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 capping. They're they're white capping. It's huge. It's it's a storm, right? Like it's not like calm water. That's what it always looks like in the pictures, like on the felt boards and stuff in VBS. It's like calm water, and I'm like, what's the point of him calming the storm if it's all calm? So I mean, I mean, is Jesus like, oh, hold on, I'm coming. All right. I wouldn't think so. So what would happen to the water around Jesus? Perhaps. This is complete conjecture. But what would happen to the water around Jesus while he was walking if he wasn't going to just be tossed to and fro? It'd kind of part, right? It'd kind of be still right there in front of him. Man, is there something about water parting and Moses and Sinai? I, I feel like there's something there. I can't remember. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, that's complete conjecture. Take it for what it's worth. But he came walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by. What? Are you looking? Did you see? He intended to pass them. Okay, what is that? Is he like, I intended to pass by. Y'all doing good? Cool. And like, what does that mean? He intended to pass. I was thinking about passing them by, but then I, nah, I'll be nice and I'll stay with them. What? intended to pass them by well you're already catching a theme of what i'm doing here right where do you think that might be significant from how about this moses said lord show me your glory and the lord intended to pass him by and then show him his glory you remember this he hides him in the rock and he gets to see the back of the glory of yahweh same thing for elijah same phrase too God intended to pass Elijah by to show him his glory. Yahweh is right out there on the water with the people. Someone way greater than Moses is here. This time, Moses isn't the one that came down from Mount Sinai. This time, Yahweh himself is the one that walked down from Mount Sinai. And he's intending to pass him by. Maybe they're about to see the glory of the Lord God. Oh, it's not over. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. Oh, these disciples, bless their hearts. Oh, now they think there's a ghost going on. And I mean, that's just hilarious. My wife likes to look at this verse and say, see, told you ghosts are real. And I'm like, I don't think that's the point. Maybe, I don't know. Jesus is not a ghost. Empowered by the Holy Ghost, I guess. Okay. She's the ghost. And then they cried out. Let me translate that for you. They cried like babies. <laughs> what is that? I mean, you got to feel sorry for them, right? It's been a long day. Early in the morning, they just want to rest and relax. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and he said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Each of those phrases are really significant things that Yahweh said to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Let's start with the last one. Do not be afraid. You remember Joshua? Yeah, Joshua. Uh, oh, it's right here, isn't it? Oh, it's behind me. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Right there. Ha! It's meant to be. Yeah, do not be afraid. Also, do you know what Jesus' name is 
It's God is with us. Which in Hebrew is Joshua. Yeshua. So last time Joshua told the people, or God told Joshua last time, do not be afraid. This time, God, as Joshua tells the people, do not be afraid. Also, take heart. That's a phrase that occurs over and over again. Be encouraged. Take heart. He says this over and over. But that middle phrase, it is I. Oh, don't get me started on critiquing English translations. We'll be here all day. I despise that. That is awful. Oh, no. It's not, it's not Jesus saying, hey, guys, it's me. That's not what's going on here. No, 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 no. Literally. You ready for this? Literally. I am. Let me read it again, but with that. Take heart. I am. Do not be afraid. Oh, come on. It is hopping off the page at us at this point. Sinai, where God, you know, Moses is like, who shall I say sent me? Whenever he's at the burning bush, he says, tell him, I am sent you. Jesus says, take heart, I am, do not be afraid. <gasps> the one far greater than Moses is here. Far greater than Moses. The very God of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It gets better. Then he got into the boat with them. Yahweh hops in the boat with the people. And the wind ceased. See, just now the wind has ceased. It was still going on while he was walking. So what's going on with the water around him? Just saying. And they were utterly astounded. Pause. Don't look at the text. Look away. Don't look at the text. They were utterly astounded. Why would you assume that they're utterly astounded? Walking on water. Pfft, yeah. Because he's walking on water. He just claimed to be God. And not just some God, but the God, the one true creator God, the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has a name, Yahweh, that God. And then with the, I mean, oh, whoa, right? Oh, read verse 52. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. <laughs> did you just catch that? They just saw all this amazing stuff and Jesus just made these amazing claims. And what do they do? Yeah, that was real neat, Jesus. But the bread, though. Uh, I mean, maybe they're opening their to-go box right there. But the, how did he make the bread? Okay, look. It's completely not a good thing to rake the miracles of Jesus as if some of them are better than others. Okay, it's not. But if I were forced to rank the miracles of Jesus as far as their level of awesomeness, personally, walking on water is up there and the bread thing is like, you know, it's one near the bottom, frankly. Like at this point in Mark, he's already raised somebody from the dead. He's been casting out like stuff that I'm like, whoa. And then they see all this stuff. And even right then after they've had this long day, they're like, whoa, but the bread though, you're with me. That is insane. But the bread though, oh, and their hearts were hardened. In Moses' story, whose heart was hardened? Pharaoh's. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Why? Because he didn't obey God, but also he was focusing on the wrong things. It was all about what Pharaoh could get rather than focusing on what God was doing. And here, 
the disciples are focusing on the wrong thing. Because let's get one thing straight. The miracles, they're awesome. All of the miracles of Jesus are awesome. But it's not about the miracles. The miracles are not the thing. The miracles are the thing that points to the thing. Jesus is the thing. Yahweh just hopped in the boat with them and they're like, yeah, but the bread. Seriously? Throw the bread overboard. Fall down at his feet and worship Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth. Okay, eventually we got to trade in flannel board Jesus for the adult Jesus. Eventually, we have to do more with the miracles than going, wow, that's so neat. Ain't that neat? That's neat. Wow. All right. Have a good week. Is that the best we can do with the miracles? Really? They point to who Jesus is and what he is and what he's doing and what he's done. They point us to his identity and his identity points us to what he does. Jesus is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob embodied in the flesh. Oh, my word. Forget about the bread, people. Fall down on your face and worship him. Oh, it's easy to critique the disciples, though, isn't it? We would never get focused on things that just don't really matter in the long run, would we? Never. You guys have been to church. You know, church people focus on Jesus and just the peripheral things. They leave them peripheral. They don't major in the minors or anything like that, right? We know. Oh, like, seriously, do we have to have a five-hour church meeting on what color the new carpet's going to be? Like, really? Is that the most important use of our time? Really? Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I once sat in a meeting for seriously like 45 minutes on whether or not we would put a new rocking chair in the back for this one dude who had a bad back. And I was like, seriously? That's what we're spending? Like, there's so much else going on, so much more to pay attention to. Oh, but let's have a 45-minute meeting about the chair. You know what that is, right? That's going, yeah, Jesus, that's great and all. But the chair, though, that's what that is. That's what that is. Guys, don't focus on the bread. It's cool. It's neat. Yeah, sure. And even the walking on water. Great. Awesome. Amazing. Truly. Let's not diminish that. But don't stop there. It points beyond to Jesus himself. What the disciples are failing to realize is it is all about Jesus. And let me just say it as simply as I possibly can. Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txt and contxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandconntxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.